Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. This is Market View. I'm Michelle Martin. Good to have you with me this Monday morning, the 23rd day in May. Ryan Huang also with me. We take a look at Asia Pacific stocks starting the week off on a positive note. Tokyo up 1%, Sydney and Seoul in the green as well, though not quite as much. Investors have their eyes on corporate earnings, both in the US. They're going to be looking at Chinese EV maker Xpeng's results out today. Joining me now, Ryan Huang. Good morning. Morning, Michelle. How's your weekend? Really, really good. Really, really good. All weekends should be three-day weekends, so <laughs> I have to say. I believe so as well. Four-day work weeks. It is. It is is highly required. We begin this morning here in Singapore, where nearly five months into the year, the local market is one of the only ones in Asia to be in the green. China's markets, Hong Kong, Seoul, they're all facing double-digit losses. Tokyo, Sydney, KL, Bangkok, Delhi, Bombay, all in the red as well. A question for listeners now. What is the only major Asian indices to be performing better than the Straits Times Index right now? I gave you the answer last week. Jakarta, the Jakarta Composite, up 5% year to date, the STI currently up 3.7%. So Jakarta doing well. Ryan, we talked on the show about Singapore being treated by many investors as a safe haven. And one segment of the market that always attracts investors is the real estate investment trust sector. This morning, we have news that industrial REITs in particular are pulling in higher rents. Can you tell us more? Yeah, so you have the REITs space bouncing back. That's pretty much a story here. So if you look at the street space, you've got prices and rentals both going up in the first quarter of this year. And if you look at what we have right now, prices up 2.1% for those three months compared to the previous quarter. And rentals are up in terms of indices. Rental indices are up 1%. So despite a drop in occupancy, which fell to 89.8%, a drop of 0.4 percentage points, you are still seeing prices and rentals go up. And that reflects how the economy and the demand for the stuff and space that the REITs are providing is picking up and reflecting how borders restrictions are easing up, how businesses are going back to activities. And that's a good sign. Indeed. Another indication that I want to look at to gauge investor interest, particularly here at home in Singapore, is which directors and which companies are buying back shares. Now, the latest stats show that a property developer and IT company that makes high-precision industrial machinery and an auto dealer are at the top of the list. Who are they and how much are they buying? Yeah, let's walk through the share buybacks last week. And what we have on the table, we've got We Investments. They have bought 200,000 shares of UOL Group at an average price of $6.99 per share. So this takes the total interest in the company of UOL Group Chairman Wee Cho Yaw to 38.32% from 38.29. And talking about the automotive industry, TransChina Automotive Holdings Executive Chairman and CEO Francis Chia, he bought 4 million shares of the catalyst company at 21 cents per share. So that brings his stake up to 78.61% from 77.93. And Franken Group, the non-executive, non-independent chairman, Gui Sun Chai bought 200,000 shares at $1.15 per share. So this brings his stake up to 33.53% from 23.48%.
All right, let's take a look at emerging markets and how they're doing. So at the top of the show, I mentioned Jakarta Composite is the only Asian market currently performing better than the Straits Times Index. What do you think of the performance of Jakarta so far? Yeah, I think it's no surprise to see these countries and the indexes doing well. So we've got a couple of strong fundamentals at play here. So for both sides, Singapore and Jakarta, their indexes have a rather relatively heavy weightage to the financials industries. And when you look at what's happening out in the financial space, rising interest rates, businesses going back to some norms, you know, picking up into some activities, these things drive up the prospects of bank profits. And this is helping the wider indexes pick up. So that is playing out. And of course, in Jakarta, you have a very vibrant economy with startups especially. That is a huge part of the story when it comes to Jakarta's or at least Indonesia's growth story. So something that's really painting a bright future for Indonesia. And of course, in Singapore, you have what you talk about, the REITs space, the banks space. That's been also a story to look at when you look at the safe haven narrative where investors you know, just jittery over all the events around the world, Ukraine, the China slowdown, are looking for safer places to park their money. And for them, they are flocking to the STI, at least some of them. And in some cases, the Jakarta Composite. Now, if we zoom out just a bit and the picture of the global emerging markets, they face a major route so far this year. After 15 months of capital outflows, some man- money managers are starting to buy back in again. I wouldn't say it's a bullish trend yet, but there are some positive signs. So what do you think are the main data points that investors are looking at? Okay, it is quite tempting to buy things when they are cheap. But of course, Cheap can get cheaper. That is a catch here. You don't know until it's over whether it was something you should have bought or not. So the thing here is you've got some signals, some talk about how, hey, maybe it's attractive now because things are cheap. So like you pointed out, don't get too bullish and jump all in right now. And the advice going by some of the analysts and experts is to buy gradually and maybe increase your exposure here and look out for some of the cues that could be a stronger signal that emerging markets could bounce back. And these will be around how we could be looking at a peak in inflation and a halt to the dollar's rally. So we've been seeing some suggestions that the inflation numbers in the US may be peaking. That has suggested that maybe the worst may be over for emerging markets, which have been slammed quite badly in the past few months. And if you look at the US dollar, they took a bit of a breather last week after six straight weeks of gains. The greenback posted a loss last week. So it is one sign to look at, hey, maybe it could be a turnaround for emerging markets soon enough if this is the end of the pressures for those EM indexes. All right, I'm going to bring the discussion back to Singapore right now where there are two or three more positive indicators this morning. First up, let's look at the property market. A major launch in the Mountbatten area took place over the weekend. That project is Live at MB. It spreads across four blocks and is by Bukit Sembawang Estates. So what has the uptake like been for Live at MB? Yeah, I was actually cycling past this uh, show flat over the weekend and wow, it was packed and I was just so uncomfortable I had to just leave. Uh, I have not used the crowds yet. So it was another property launch and another strong crowd just appearing to snap up lots of those units. So we are talking about 75% sold out of the 298 units and the average price 
200 or $2,387 per square foot. And this is quite a good location. If you look at where it is right now, it's on Mountbatten Road and it is three minutes away walking distance from the future Katong Park MRT. So 99-year leasehold project and it looks like it's quite a familiar storyline these days. Property launch over the weekend, attracting strong crowds. Yeah, it's one of Singaporeans' favourite pastimes, right? To head to uh, the property showrooms, check them out, see what the prices are like. Do you think it's fair to say that the government's property cooling measures are not really deterring buyers here? I think it can only do so much because some are genuine buyers. They are looking for a new property. Uh, At the same time, uh, you have this property after such a long time COVID-19 restrictions. This is one of the first few being launched after the lifting of restrictions. And if you notice... You've been probably bombarded by property agents with their marketing materials in your letterboxes and them on the streets. So there has been a strong push in terms of marketing efforts to just promote all these real estate buys as well. So I think all that plays a part and gives a very strong sign of how the property market is still quite resilient. And we saw that actually quite resilient during COVID-19 times. So I think this will continue to uh, remain a favorite of Singapore investors. Yeah, and in case you're thinking of, uh, you know, buying into live, I understand that a one-bedroom apartment that's about 495 square feet will set you back 1.08 million, a starting point there. Okay, let's turn to the travel sector. We already talked on the show about how visitor arrivals are on the rise, and so too is holiday travel by Singaporeans. It seems this increase in air travel is having an impact on Changi Airport. What's the latest there? Yeah, so good news for those traveling. T2, for those of you who miss it, will reopen progressively from May the 29th. So all in the name of trying to meet demand, which is expected to pick up in the coming months. So if you've been following what's been happening with T2, it's been closed for upgrading works for nearly two years. Mm. And this is expected to be fully complete by 2024. And that will increase the terminal's capacity to 5 million or by 5 million to 28 million passengers. So what we can expect is for some of these flights to gradually use the boarding gates at T2 in the coming months. And these flights will be able to use both T2 and T3. So I think gradually just starting to get some exposure in terms of flights utilizing these gates at T2 and then start to test it out and start to pick it up as things get more busy. So we can expect this to progressively open in the coming months. From May 29th, progressive reopening of T2. What will you see when you walk around the new expanded T2, a larger arrival immigration hall, more automated immigration lanes and special assistance lanes? All right, let's take a look at the US markets now. The S&P 500 closed lower for the seventh straight week on Friday. Tech stocks experiencing their worst stretch since the dot-com bubble burst in 2001. And retail companies have been coming in so far with some disappointing corporate results. So what is on investors' radars this week, Ryan? Yeah, we came off a mixed session last Friday and we had the S&P 500 once again on the brink of heading into bear market territory and just briefly heading there down at one stage more than 2% and eventually reversing those losses, those early losses to close slightly higher by 0.01%. So they are still 19% down from their record highs. So we'll see if this week they will break below 20% and close at that level. So something to watch out for. And what could be weighing on the sentiment this week? Last week, we got the retail sales numbers, or at least the outlook, disappointing coming through from 
Target and Walmart. So another round coming through this week from the likes of Costco, Best Buy, Nordstrom and Macy's. Those are just some of the few companies reporting numbers and will also paint a picture of how consumers are spending, how much they are spending and what they are spending on. And that could steer market sentiment this week. And also to watch out for Fed speakers just making their ways around the circuit, their various events and their, I guess, Fed speak. Um, this is in the <laughs> backdrop of what we are getting out in the middle of the week, the FOMC minutes. Bear in mind, these are three weeks old. In that space of time, we've already heard a lot of Fed speakers talking about how you know, 75 basis points probably will not happen in the coming meetings. And this is possibly one of the non-events because we do have Fed speakers playing out in the Fed speak space this week anyways. But something to take note of in terms of future rate hike hints and signals. Let's be my guilt at overindulging over the weekend. I heard you say fat speakers. Uh-huh. You mean fed speakers, right? Yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> one of those Monday things. <laughs> Time now for corporate news and a game of up or down. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Let's start with Hyundai Motor. Right, Hyundai is going to be an up for me and they are spending big time to invest in the US. More than $10 billion in things like EVs, batteries for EVs, autonomous driving research, mobility, technology, artificial intelligence. And this was announced as part of US President Joe Biden's visit to its factories when he was in Seoul over the weekend. So Hyundai planning to invest more than 10 billion US dollars in the US, 5 billion to develop mobility solutions like autonomous driving and robotics, another 5 billion on a factory in the state of Georgia. So I'm going to say that's a bullish sign and I'm going to go with up. Let's look at Tesla. Yeah, I would go with a down and Elon Musk seems to have a knack for making the news. He is in the news for wrong reasons this time and this is around claims that he sexually harassed a flight attendant on a private jet in 2016. I'm not sure why it's only cropping up now, but it seems like the um, news cycle is really picking up on this. And he has so far said nothing like that has happened. Mm. Down for me as well. For different reasons, Tesla's share price is down nearly 40% since the beginning of the year. And as the New York Times says, the company's aura is dimming. In fact, one of my guests last week, Arun Pai, questioned whether Tesla is still overvalued despite its recent fall as well. Next, let's look at the new release of the new Downtown Abbey movie. Are you a fan of Downtown Abbey? Huge fan. <laughs> well, I would say it's a down. It seems like it did not do too well when it opened. And it seems like... <laughs> People just have too many choices of what to do these days, right? Maybe it's a case of timing when you release something where people have so many options in terms of they were pent up back home and now they just want to get out there and do new stuff and not want to watch stuff on TV as much. And that, I think, had an impact on its opening weekend. Could be a sign of changing consumer habits. Could also just be difficult benchmarks because the series flow was so good. It's been hard for the movies to match up, I think. I haven't watched this one yet, but the last Downton Abbey movie I thought was disappointing. So, Downton Abbey fans, the latest movie had a disappointing first weekend over in the US. Despite a very strong marketing push, it opened in second place and with a much weaker debut than its previous film. You'll remember that back in 2019. Next, let's look at a Japanese company called Recruit Holdings. Yeah, Recruit Holdings, for those of you not familiar, it is the company behind Indeed.com, the jobs portal, as well as Glassdoor. You probably used it at some stage of your life, you know, just comparing companies and the 
reviews of by employees or former employees. I leave reviews too. Mm, okay, so I'll take a look at what you've been saying. <laughs> <laughs> so this is now in focus because it's Japan's ninth biggest company and it's been reporting quite solid results. So it's, for its recent quarter, it posted a 27% rise in revenue for the fiscal year ended March. And I guess no surprise, everyone's looking for a new job these days, either because of the great resignation or brighter prospects. And these trends are just playing into Recruit Holdings' business model. Indeed, this one is really interesting for me and it's an up for me as well. Recruit Holdings owns Indeed.com and Glassdoor, as you mentioned, and by itself is Japan's ninth largest company and it's reporting stellar earnings. Recruit netted $4 billion US dollars in the past fiscal year, but the company's CEO is not satisfied. He says the company, quote, hasn't gotten close to the goal of simplifying hiring. I just spoke with someone who says he invested in founders and he's the kind of founder that I'd invest in for sure. What do you make of this? Yeah, it is an interesting way to look at investment. You know, invest in the management much more focused there rather than the other parts because it is the management that will steer the company long term. You know, it comes top down. You know, the culture, you know, the belief, the value systems, all these last a longer time than all the short term headlines and what the stock price might react to because this is what will be essentially the DNA of a company. Absolutely. So company management, all in my pissy reviews, Ryan. You should check them out. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are... 25 minutes into the local trading day. Ryan, the Chinese electric vehicle maker Neo debuted on the Singapore Exchange on Friday. I wonder how was it received? Yeah, I, I think it was not a surprise to see it do well. In fact, it surged over 20% in the early hours. And just a sign of how maybe retail investors are hungry for growth names, tech stocks. But we also have to bear in mind that it was a good week for the STI, which was up 1.5%. So it had a rising tide as well to enjoy. So it's quite a um, good sign for maybe prospective Chinese companies to start making their way here to also follow in the footsteps of Neo. Oh, interesting. Now, last week was a bit of a roller coaster ride for the Straits Times Index. After the first four sessions of the week, the STI is flat, but the gains on Friday led it to close out the week in the green, up 1.5% at 32.40. So, how's the STI trading this week? All right, so we are right now looking at a region in the green mostly, and this is checking off the mixed session you had last week on Wall Street and looking at where we have what we have right now on the STI a bit bucking a trend down 0.1% at 3,237 alright let's look at what we have for the 30 constituents pretty much split across the middle at the bottom Dairy Farm International down more than 2% to 275 and close behind you've got Janine Second Carriage Sankwap Industries Hong Kong Land and Capital Land Invest and at the top of the table Yang Zhejiang Shipbuilding Capital DC REIT and Genting Singapore all up more than 1% and all three banks right now uh, mixed UOB down 0.3% and OCBC and DBS up barely by 0.1% Thanks very much Ryan Huang there Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.